Heavenly Father, just so good. We've come into this place tonight to gather in your name and to hear from you. Not to hear from me, but to hear from you through me. And so I thank you that our ears are opened, our hearts are attuned, because you always, always have something to say to your children. So we defer to you tonight. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Well, I have to tell you, it's been many years since I stood in this place. In fact, it's so long, I think I had blonde hair then. But it's an honor, and I thank Pastor for even allowing me or even asking me to come and share. That is an honor. And I do believe I have something to share tonight with you all. Um, I'm, I'm just going to give you, I don't know, some of you may know me um, from years ago. Some of you may not. Um, I'm, I wasn't birthed on a pew like Pastor Lisa. I came up in the Lutheran church, and um, while there were things that were good about that, there were things we didn't learn in the Lutheran church. But as long as I can remember, I always had a love of the Lord. I can't say exactly when I was born again. I, it just seems that I always loved the Lord, and I always believed in him. I'm sure I went to Sunday school, and they taught us things, and so I'm sure that's where that came from. But there was one particular time in my life, and I was around seven or eight years old, where things really began to happen with the Lord. And um, I had had something come up as, as a child on my, on my breast, and it was a large, ugly bump that was there, and um, I didn't like it. And I went and I told my mother, and they decided to take me to the doctor. Now, my dad didn't believe in doctors per se. He liked chiropractors. So they sent me, they take me to the chiropractor, and I really didn't like them, him examining me at all. That just was not, not, not proper in my book. And so I remember... He didn't know what it was, and, you know, kind of we went home. And, that was, and so I remember that I thought, I think I know what I'll do. I'll ask Jesus to take it away, and he will. So I made myself a plan, and I, tonight after I go to bed, I'll ask him. And so I remember we were moving around the time, going to be coming to Florida. Why the bed was in the dining room, I'm not sure. But... Um, so my mother had told me to go crawl in with my dad because she was working in my bedroom, packing up and doing. And so I went in there, and I did my, you know, now I lay me down to sleep and all that kind of stuff that you do. And um, so after my dad went to sleep and I could hear him snore, and I waited, and I thought, now's my chance. So I simply said, Jesus, I don't like this thing on my body and I want you to take it away. The words were not out of my mouth when it was a thunderbolt came out of heaven and hit me in the body, and that thing was gone. 
it reminded me of a lightning strike I saw at my son's place where it was just this big ball of fire. It just, wham. But the funny thing about it was, it wasn't like I was like, wow. It was what I expected. It was what I had asked for in childlike faith, and he delivered. I don't even remember saying anything to my mother. Maybe she just thought it went away. I don't know, but I knew. I knew from that point that prayer was real, Jesus was real, and he would answer. So that was, um, you know, my, my father, he was, you know, it was okay what you did sometimes during the week, and you could go out and party, and you could do, but Sunday morning, you were in church. And um, my favorite story of that was because, um, now we're talking harking back a ways, but when they went out, and he was young, they went in a horse and buggy. And he would tell me, he said, we'd go party all Saturday night, and then we'd get in the buggy until, and head the horse in the direction, and it'd take us home. And I'm thinking, wow, that had been cool. <laughs> The horses took them home. But you were in church on Sunday morning. So there were still things that they instilled in us that were good and, and proper and served me the rest of my life. Um, so I sang in the choir, went to camp, sang kumbaya, did the whole thing. You know, and actually I hunted up what kumbaya meant, and it, says, it means come near me. So it's not all bad. Because you're entreating the Lord to come near you. And so anyhow, that takes me up to, you know, I did my normal things as a teenager. Not all good, um, certainly. But I always remembered that in my decision-making, there was always something that would help me to make a decision. Um, I made a decision about a young man um, that I knew that if I went one way, my life would be totally different than if I went the other. And thank goodness, I chose the right one. So uh, there's a lot more to my story. Um, I learned about prayer, you know, uh, as a Lutheran. And I couldn't figure, they always would ask me to pray, and I didn't know why. And I thought, well, why doesn't anyone want to pray? You know, and I'm sure they weren't too great, but at least I opened my mouth and I said something which was more than any of them did, you know, and, and that's really sad. That's a very sad thing. But um, I'm going to just, like, jump forward now because I could tell a lot of things, but I'm not going to tonight because I'm going to go where the Holy Ghost wants me to go. The rest of it, I am writing a book, and um, a lot of that story will be in there, so you can find out about it from there. So I'm, I'm just going to take you back now. This is, this is going to be for in the last few years. Um, in 2019, in a nine-month nine period of time, I lost four people very dear to me. And um, when that happens, well, at least for me, I'm not saying I can't talk for you, but it gave my faith a jolt. It made me wonder why, what, who you, you this prayer person, and, and, and they're dying all around you. And it really, uh, I really struggled with that. Um, and I had to work through it, like, like grief, you do work through it. And, and you have to, you know, and I remember the day the, um, the Holy Ghost said to me, you've been 
in the place of why long enough. So I had to make a decision of whether I was just going to have an answer. I just had to have an answer, or I was just going to say, your ways are higher than mine. I don't know the answer, but I'm going to be okay with that. I'm going to be okay with that. And I thought I was. And then put together, there's a group of ladies here. Um, we call ourselves some kind of widow's group. And I was talking to one of my friends one day. We were riding home from something we had gone to, you know. And we, were, we discussed how we feel and the feelings we had and the different things. And, and I said, I said, when I read the word of God and I come upon those scriptures about healing that I had prayed so fervently for, for my baby girl, for my husband, and in my mind, I would go, that's not true. And then I'd read on down, and I'd go, and I'd read another one. And, I'd, and, and that's not true. And so I'm telling her, and she says to me, Barbara, you're calling God a liar. And I was crushed. Because in my mind, I wasn't calling him a liar. That wasn't how I was coming, but that's what I was thinking. And she was right. I was calling him a liar. I couldn't get home fast enough and get on my knees and go, God, I am so sorry. You're not a liar. Your word is true. I don't know. I don't have to know. I'm just going to go. I'm going to be all in no matter what, no matter what. And so that was, that was a day of reckoning for me. And I had, to, I had to just let that all go. I just had to let that all go. I had lunch with another lady here one time, and she says, I feel like there's something you're holding. That was before this had happened. And she said, if you ever, if you ever get to the point you know, that you can share that, will you do it? And I said, absolutely. So I'm here tonight sharing that, that I am just, um, because she said that, that will close the door. Totally. So anyhow, so I'm here and I'm excited now because that door is closed. And that doesn't make you miss your loved ones less. That doesn't, it doesn't do any of that. It just means that you're going to move on now. And, and then the clincher in that also is the, the Spirit of God. I just pray in one day, and I heard my daughter say, it's okay, Mama. And she never called me Mama unless it was in like an endearing card. She always called me Mom. She said to me, I heard, and when she called me Mama, I knew it was something special. When she'd be on the phone, Mama, I knew, mm, this isn't just, you know, hey, Mom. And, um. So she said, Mama, everything's going to be okay. She said, you run your race and finish your course because Dad and I are cheering for you up here. And I'm like, okay, I can go. I can do it. I will. And so that brings me to about a year and a half ago on a Sunday morning, and I'd like to tell you what pastor was preaching, but I don't remember. But anyhow, I found myself up in the altar. And um, the Spirit of God said to me, 
He said, I want you to forgive every single, uh, forget, I'm sorry, every single thing that's ever happened in the past, good, bad, or ugly. He said, I want you to forget everything you did with your ministry. I want you to forget everything you've done in prayer, everything that you've done. And he said, because I'm doing a new thing. And he said, you have to leave it back because you can't move forward when you're in, if you drag any of that with you. I can't be comparing what's now to what was then because that's dangerous. So, um, and, and, this, and scripture bears that out. In Isaiah 43, 19, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? Do you not feel it in the air? Can you not see it happening around you? I'm doing a new thing. In other words, we should be looking forward to that. We, you know, that scripture says it's new. It's not just new for me. It's new for everyone. Each one of you, it's new. He's doing something new, and it's great. And we need to be perceiving that and going after that. That was, the, that was the last thing he said. Moving forward, from this day forward, all things are new, and that brings change. And he said, embrace it. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, over this past, so after that, after this past year and a half or so, I don't remember exactly the dates, there's been six areas that the Holy Spirit has been working on my heart about. And um, there are things I didn't know. I mean, they weren't things I didn't know. They're all things that we know and we've studied and we've taught and we walk into in a measure. But sometimes, sometimes we forget or sometimes we leave them down or lay them down, these areas, because something new and better comes up. You know, in the church, you know, there'll be, there was a faith movement, and then there was, everything was grace, and, you know, we kind of move. And so some of those things that are the foundational things that we have to have um, get, get kind of thrown to the side. Not that we don't believe them, not, not that, you know, we don't, operate in them to an extent, but not to the fullness that we need to. And that's why the title of, of, you know, Dust Off the Treasures. He gave me six things that are treasures, and he said, I want you to dust them off and bring them up into the forefront again. And, and so I'm like, okay, I, I, I will do that, and, and wasn't exactly even sure what they were at that point. But he's always faithful. And so I'm, I'm like, Lord, so, you know, what are these things? And uh, so I, found, I, I happened upon, I looked down, and I found this book. It was a friend had given it to me over a year ago. You could tell how quick I got to it. It was just sitting there on my little stool. And I felt to pick it up, and it was called Stories from the Glory. And, oh, boy, I started reading that, and I was just, I was mesmerized. These were some of the old-timers of the faith and what they believed and how they operated and the things God did for them. It was amazing. 
But before I'm going to get to glory, I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'm going to go back one notch, because the first thing was the treasure of singing and worshiping. In Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. When we do that, healing, power, peace, love, and all things good can manifest in the midst of praise and worship. Sometimes we think that it's just the entrance, but boy, there's a whole lot more going on when we, when we enter, we really enter into that place. I remember I was in, and I found myself singing more and singing in prayer and singing in the spirit. You know, it just, it just all, I just wanted to sing. And I remember being in my friend's hospital room, and she was going to have open-heart surgery the next day. And I was there to pray and just sit with her that evening, you know. And we started praying. I sang a prayer for a half hour. And it covered everything imaginable. And the peace and the, and, and the presence of God came in there. It was so wonderful. And, and I thought, oh, wow, this is, this is just so wonderful um, that... that we pick that up. The worship, and I'm not saying we worship. It, worship is great here. And I'm not saying that anyone doesn't do it. All I'm saying is that dust it off and bring it to the next level. You know, when we have a treasure, they can get tarnished. They, and they get dusty, for heaven's sakes. You know, if you've got knick-knack treasure, they get dusty. And sometimes you have to dust them off. And you may put them in a different spot. And then you enjoy them again. And, and that's, that's the only thing I can, I can say. But th- that's what he wanted us to do. He wanted us to begin to visualize worship and praise and, and singing. Just open your mouth. doesn't matter, good, bad, well, how you can sing or not. Just do it. Just do it. And when he hooks with you, I'm amazed sometimes at the songs and the things that come out and the melodies. It's really, really quite wonderful. Oops, I need to get to the right page here. Hmm. One night, my husband and I were sharing our ministry at a church. And um, I was sitting up on the podium with some pastors and we were doing the worship. And I'm just singing in the spirit. I love to do that, so I do it mostly, especially if they're singing in Spanish or they're singing something I don't have a clue. And so you can sing in, in tongues, and they think, you're, they think you're, you're speaking Spanish, I guess, whatever. So anyhow, I'm singing, and I'm worshiping God, and the pastor leans over to me, and he goes, are you singing in tongues? I said, yes, I am. Oh, That's wonderful. When you sing in tongues, the angels come near, and the Holy Spirit comes near, and and you're able to dispatch the angels in, in that singing, and so much happens, and he was so happy that I was singing in tongues, and I'm thinking, well, um, maybe everybody should sing in tongues, (laughs) but all that to say, there's much power in that. You're not just gibberishing a bunch of words. You actually are calling down the forces of heaven on our behalf, behalf of whatever. We may never know because we don't know sometimes what we're praying about when we pray in tongues. 
singing in the spirit is an it, it's it's a great thing and and the holy ghost showed me um an analogy of that too and 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 it kind of goes along with prayer you know how an orchestra if you if you would envision an orchestra and the and the holy spirit is the director and there's different parts and there's different instruments so different sections we'll call them And so on the music, different sections play at different times. And it's not always loud, you know, and sometimes it's soft. Sometimes it's only the flutes. Sometimes it might be just the clarinets. But then sometimes it's a percussion and they go to town. But it it all flows together. It's not not a noise that doesn't sound good to the ears. And so sometimes... In, in praying in tongues when we're doing that, I'd encourage you to do this. Listen with your spiritual ears to the person next to you. And, and in truth, you can become this well-tuned group of singers that is amazing. And the sound is amazing, and there's such power in that. And the same way with prayer. When you come together, we come together as a corporate group. We're not here to do our own thing. We're here to raise our voices together in one accord, because in the one accord is where the power is. And so I, when I come to pray, I listen to see maybe if the Holy Ghost is going to be on Catherine. Because if it is, then I'm going to be quiet, and I'm going to lend my support to her. And I might walk over to might lay hands on her, might not. But I'm going to defer to her to pray out what the Holy Spirit's given her in that moment. And then it can move around. It can move around. And and so I'm always keeping an eye out to see where the Spirit of God is uh, so we can be in one accord. Because that's where the power is. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit was showing me in, in, in the praise and worship and in the prayer. Um, it, it can't be this noise. It, it, it can't be just coming in and framming and banging. No, there's a proper way. There's a proper way to enter in. And, and we, have to, we have to do that. That's the way he's going to work. He doesn't, he's not going to do it otherwise. He's not going to come if we come in, in in an attitude of you know you're going to do this or not or, or else, so that was the one that was my first treasure that I dusted off, and I began to I began to when I would pray I would just lift my voice and and oh many times he'd give me a song and prayer or a song or a psalm or whatever it was that that you know was needed for that occasion. And I began to be more careful when I came to prayer of, of how I entered in and, and how I came into his presence. And, and so that's so important. And so I dusted that off and I, I began to tweak that a bit so that he could use me more in that way as well. So that was, that was number one. Number two is the treasure of the glory and the presence of God. John fourteen, I mean John eleven forty. 
Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So I'm, I venture to say we're all believers here tonight. So he said, you will see the glory of God. So that means that we can see it. We can partake in it because he said so. So I, I'm going back. I'm now, now I'm getting to the book about the stories from the glory. And I'm going to read a couple things out of there because they so impacted me. If I can get to the right page here. People want the glory, but they don't always realize that it comes with a cost. At times, I felt like I was going backward, but I was actually being promoted. Now, this is an old-timer in the Lord, and her name was, um, let me see, Sister Ruth Camille. And this is, she wrote this book with Kevin Sedai. They kind of wrote it together. Promotion comes when you put when we put ourselves into a humble position. Before the glory comes, there is a time of waiting. Waiting upon the Lord is part of a walk, of a life walking in glory. The key for the next few months is to wait upon the Lord. So I would say to you, the key to you in the next few months is waiting upon the Lord Wait on the Lord. No, no, no. No, no, no. Get comfortable in the waiting. Don't make excuses in order to make yourself feel comfortable. Our attitude towards the Lord has everything to do with our ability to walk in the glory. I have seen the Lord be a little strict with me. He has said... I didn't bid you to come. At one point on the sapphire stone, he said, unless I extend my scepter and bid you to come, you cannot come. You cannot walk on the sapphire stone of the throne room unless you are invited. A level of holiness is required. Oh, there's that word. A level of holiness is required. People today often don't respect, honor, or fear God. These are important aspects of moving in the glory. So we just want to rush in, and we're going, we sing a couple songs, and oh, what glory, and oh, we're here, and, and yay, and hoo-hoo, and, and you know, and he's like, what the, you know, you haven't even come in properly. And, and I find that in prayer sometimes because we don't want to take the time. We want to get right in there and tell him what we want and how we want him to do it. You know, and, and, and we, we cannot do that. And we must dust that treasure off. She mentioned in the book about doing a word study about the glory. The glory means, there's so many, so, so many meanings to the glory. And, um, and these are just a few 
of the things I've written down as I went to different scriptures of what the glory is all about. The glory in the, the glory has heaviness and it's weighty. It's the manifestation of God's presence. In 1 Samuel, it says no one can steal God's glory. If they do, it'll bring destruction on them. In Psalms 3, it says glory is a shield of protection. It lifts our head from humiliation. Praise, honor, or distinction extended to someone of renown. That's what glory is in the, in the, in the definition Glory secures praise. It's the lifter of our head in Psalms 3.3. Glory here and in Psalm 16.9, glory is a poetic expression for the soul, the glorious part of the man. In Psalm 19.1, the heavens show the glory of God with its beautiful displays. The sun, the moon, the sunsets, the beach that we love. In Psalm 24, 7, his glory will come through us in a measure, and it's not in our own doing. The glory of the Lord is the multifaceted nature of God in all his facets. Remember Pastor Dale reading the list that was I don't know how long, and it included wealth, and it included health, and it included all the things were wrapped up in that glory. If that's the case, then be able to get into that glory and into those realms should be primary on our thoughts and what we want to do. Because the answers in truth that we're looking for are in that glory. What is needed for a greater degree of the manifestation of his glory to be seen on earth? Number one, we must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That sounds like something Reverend Mary Fran said a few years ago. Keep our hearts humble and clean. That means free from sin, hungry and open to the Lord. And we must continually worship God and him alone. Put down our pet idols and give God the glory due his name. Honor him, exalt him, living our lives unto him. So that's everything that we do, everything that we say. We think of that him first. And does that honor him? Does that give him glory? If we stopped even to think of that, it would change everything. We are to carry the glory and sustain it. That means to support it in prayer and, and, and keep, it, keep it in the forefront. Not back here tarnished, but keep it dusted and polished in the forefront. Invite 
the glory with a song. Let your glory fill this house. Let your presence fill my heart. Let each vessel offer up to you the sacrifice of praise. You alone are holy. You alone are worthy. You alone deserve the glory. Jesus, you alone. Did you feel the atmosphere change? Did you feel the atmosphere change when you sing about the glory of God? It changes. And in that change are all kinds of possibilities. Hallelujah. So the third treasure, and this is my very favorite. It's the treasure of the blood of Jesus. Some months back and on this journey, I read some kind of crazy commentary that came on my phone, and it said that there was nothing scriptural about pleading the blood. And there was nothing to, you know, nothing that, they didn't discount it, I wouldn't say, but there was nothing scriptural about it. It was just not waste of time. I remember calling Betty, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> Betty, you know what they say? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, so, you know, she's calm, I go. She says, well, maybe you better go look at, um, look at, you know, Mark Hankins' book, The Bloodline of a you know, Champion. How's that go? Bloodline. Yeah, okay, Bloodline of a Champion. <laughs> and so... Anyhow, before I got to that book, I, I was looking in the drawer, and I found the, a book by Billy Brim called The Blood and the Glory. And I, I got that out. And oh, my, 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 my. That was good. And here's what she said in the cover of her book. The truth is that our primary weapon against the strategy of Satan during that, these last days is the power of the blood of Jesus. That's why Satan tries to get our focus off the power that's in the precious blood of Jesus. That, coupled with the name of Jesus, maximizes our power against the devil. The blood of Jesus is everything. It's why we're here. It's why we're sitting in this room tonight. It has the power to change every single situation there is. And the sad thing about it is, as I studied and I researched this, was that, um, um, well, actually, let me, just, let me just add this. She goes on to say that Satan has systematically tried to rob from the church the truth about the blood of Jesus and its practical use, especially as a primary weapon against him. 
you know, she had done a study, and she had found in some churches they weren't even singing about the blood anymore, and the children were afraid of the blood, and they had all this stuff that they had conjured up about the blood. And so she said if they can get people to believe that, then their biggest tool against the devil, they're not armed any longer. You know, they can hope, and they can pray, and they can do all this stuff, but if they're not sealing it with the blood of Jesus... It's not going to work. And so, I, and then I read, um, I had another book. Mm, I like books about Jesus' blood. This, Mario Murillo wrote this, and I thought it was very similar, and, I, and it was an interest. So he, read the, he wrote this forward to the book um, by Hank Kuhneman. And it's taken from Revelation 12, 11, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. And, the, and, of course, we know the rest in the word of their testimonies. But the blood of the lamb came first because without the blood of the lamb, we wouldn't even have a testimony. So, so um, Mario writes this. Those words should be enough to provoke a great passion in you to understand the blood of Jesus. Only God knows how many needless agonies and defeats we have endured because we do not understand or honor the surpassing power of Christ's blood. In every century, when the church honored the blood of the Jesus' blood and the power in it, the country advanced and took territories for the kingdom of God. In the centuries when the precious blood has been ignored or dishonored, the church has been neutralized or driven underground. We have lost key battles and valuable ground in our culture. We have seen a surge of believers wounded and weak. How can we deny the connection? The more we have neglected the power of the blood, the more we have lost on the battlefield. No wonder the devil has taken great plans and great pains to bury this sacred truth. Or treasure. No wonder he strives to make us ashamed. Isn't it time you grasped why the blood of Christ terrifies him? The revelation of the blood of, of Christ is such a key that I can confidently say you do not want either victory or breakthrough unless you seek to understand the power of the blood. Wow. That's a mouthful. And I, I began to think, okay, when I pray, I began to listen. I, you know, different prayer things went to, you know. And, and while there's a mention of it, I'm not saying it's not ever mentioned, it wasn't the central fighting force. And I determined for myself that I'd never pray the Latin, another prayer, never without covering, with the covering of the blood of Jesus. One of the old timers of the faith in Billy Brim's book wrote this. If you make much of the blood, the blood will make much of you. In other words, if you honor the blood and you, and you use it and you apply it and you use it properly, then it will work for you in, in a great and mighty way. 
Then this, um, let's see, this guy, W.B. Young, old-timer in the faith. have no clue who he was. Holy Spirit goes where the blood has cleansed. Oh, my. That means that if we want the Holy Spirit to move, he's looking for clean vessels. Hmm. When the blood is applied by faith to any given situation, and if the believer is operating from a cleansed position, it will always bring deliverance. It never fails. So when you don't know what to pray, or, or and I'm not discounting praying in tongues, understand, but what I'm saying is when you don't know, Holy Spirit knows, and in the pleading of the blood, he will take care of it. You don't have to. All we have to do is apply it. And how do we apply it? So I'm now going to the book by, by um, Mark Hankins. I found this interesting after um, looking through this. Today... Instead of using a hyssop branch to apply the blood, which they used when the death angel went over, they put the blood on the doorpost with a hyssop branch. We use our mouths. When we speak the word of God, we are applying the blood of Jesus to our lives. Every time we lift up our voice in faith, declaring what the blood has done for us, and in us, we are taking that hyssop branch and covering ourselves in the blood. Wow. Mere interest, and I love this, mere interest or belief in the blood is not enough. Now, how many times have you seen or heard someone just jokingly, oh, I'll plead the blood. Oh, well, I'll just plead the blood. No, you might as well not even have said it. You know, a mere interest in it and a mere just spouting it out, there has to be faith behind it. He says, when you get up in the morning, you need to open your mouth and apply the blood. Start saying, I apply the blood over my mind, over my faults, over my past. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren. I plead the blood over my finances. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I'll never be broke another day the rest of my life. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. I don't have to be sick, poor anymore. I don't have to be oppressed. I plead the blood. Ooh, that's good. But do we take the time to do that? Do we take the time to do that and we just hope that the day is going to be a good day and my grandkids are going to be safe and nothing's going to happen? No, 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 no. Just like we can't, we can't rush in to the throne of God and we can't rush into prayer. Can't rush into this either. It, um, it take, there's a protocol. There's a protocol. I'll get to that in a minute. So anyhow, that takes me to my next treasure. Hmm. Oh, 
my. Beware of mouth. Proverbs 18.21 says, The tongue has the power of life and death. It can build up. It can tear down. It can speak negatively or positively. It's our choice. What we say now is what the Holy Spirit says. What you say now is of utmost importance. We live in a time now where we can't be just saying whatever flows out of the mouth. We need to think about it. We need to, we need to know that it's, that it's correct. And we need to know that it will lift and it will, it will not tear down. Um, it, it can't be ugly and it can't be, it, it can't be using phrases that are accepted in our culture. I should say that. Hmm. Reverend Mary Fran said this. The things of God are procured by declaration. In other words, you have what you say. You proclaim the outcome of situations and the course of your life and by what you declare. That's so important. That's so important. What you declare, what you say, every time you say something. You know, and some, I, I'm, I spend time with Jeannie, and every once in a while she'll go, Barbara, don't say that. And I'm like, okay. I'm sorry, Lord. And she's right. We need to keep each other, hold each other accountable. Um, sometimes it's even when I, I, I've had people come up to the altar and, and they want prayer and they get this barrage of horrible stuff. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, let's start from a different perspective. I don't want to know all that. But, and, and let's not speak that. We're here to change that. And so I'm like, we really have to be careful of our tongue. One of my favorite stories uh, that my husband used to have lots of stories, and since Pastor loves stories and tells them, I guess I can too. Um, but this particular time, it, it, it had to do with his mouth. And... and um, he was a good Christian man, and he, he learned the things of God faster than anyone I've ever known. And so I, I don't say anything derogatory about this. This was a learning experience. And he was having an issue with um, the man that he worked for. Well, not he worked for the phone company, and this guy was like a, a level ahead of him. And so Jim worked out in the field, and the man worked in the office. Jim knew what really needed to be done because he worked in the field, knew the situation. The guy appears going by the book. And so they had this battle going on, and Jim would come home, and he'd just, ah, nah, 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 nah. and then he'd go to bed, and he'd get up in the morning and, you know, and start in again. And I'm thinking, well, this isn't, isn't going to work, you know. But I, I said, Lord, if that's your son, you know, you do something with him. And so... Jim used to work uh, in the territory up in Ocala National Forest. And he had a place up there that he called his prayer place. And he would go eat lunch, and he would pray there in the prayer place. So he goes to the prayer place, and he goes, Lord, I don't know what to go do with this guy. I don't like him. He, you know, he can't, I can't work with him. He won't listen to anything I say. What he wants me to do is not going to work. And I need you to do something. And the Lord took him to this scripture. 
Now I'm going to read, it's Ecclesiastes, and that's not a book we often are in, but it's 1020, and this is from the Message Bible. And it says, don't badmouth your leaders, not even under your breath. And don't abuse your betters, even in the privacy of your home. Loose talk has a way of getting picked up and spread around. Little birds drop the crumbs of your gossip far and wide. Wow. That, that, that's, that's not good. And so, and, and so this is how the Holy Ghost explained it to Jim. I'm going to use Jeannie here. So I'm mad at Jeannie, and I spout these words about her. She don't know nothing. She goes by the book. She, you know, she don't know what's going on out here in the field, and I can't talk with her. She won't listen to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he said this little bird takes those words that he just spoke, and it goes and sits on Jeannie's shoulder. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. And so the bird sits on Jeannie's shoulder, and he feeds those thoughts into her mind. And then Jeannie thinks, oh, that daggum Jim Neff, he won't listen to a thing I say. He doesn't think I know anything. So then that little bird takes those words and takes it back to Jim, sets it on his shoulder, and feeds them to Jim, and the cycle is vicious and unending. So, Jim likes, oh my, Lord, what should I do? So then he took him to the scripture about praying for your enemies and those that deceitfully use you. And Jim goes, well, I don't think I can do that. He said, well, you better. And so, okay, Jim, I'll do that. So he said, you can, he's telling me, he says, boy, Barbara, that first prayer didn't sound too good. Didn't sound like I liked the guy at all. You know, I'm going, but God, yeah, I know you love him, and yeah, can you do something with him? And he changes, you know, and all the things that we do. But he said, every day that I prayed, it got different. And I began to really pray for the man. I began to really want God to move in his life because I knew that he wasn't a Christian. And I, I, he said, I, they go to church, but he says I wasn't sure where he was in his walk, really. And so he said, the more I prayed, the better I began to feel. I didn't talk about him anymore. I didn't have a need. He said, all of a sudden, I just didn't have a need to talk about him. And he said, it was not only about two weeks later. He said, I ran into him because, you know, Jim worked out in the field. He was in the office. They had a meeting, and he said, I ran into him. And he says, the guy walks, waltzes right up to him like everything's grand. And he says, I've heard that you're a man of prayer. And Jim says, yes, I am. And he says, well, someone in his family had gotten a bad report, and would you pray for him? And Jim said, I, I'd be great. I, I'd love to. And so he grabbed, he grabbed hands and prayed. And God moved and delivered. But if it hadn't have been for, for him understanding what was happening, then that never would have happened. So the words that we say, well, we, I don't know, we don't, call, we don't like to call it gossip. Oh, my, that we already know that's bad. But in truth, the things that we say, those things are out into the, into the airways. And the devil can do whatever he wants to with them 
And he takes them and he uses them against both of you, the one that you spoke them about and yourself. So, where's my sign? Where's my sign? Oh, it fell on the floor. Beware of your mouth. That's all right, Jenny. It's okay. This is just one other little funny note. I want to go, Lord, when people start coming to me and they, and um, sometimes on the phone and I've had it happen in the hospital room or wherever I might be, and they're just constantly coming with this negative stuff. This is what I do. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. He'll stop them on a dime. I had one say, I'm hanging up now, Mom. I've said I've said all I'm going to say. So beware of mouth. Okay, number. Let's, well, I better see what time it is. Okay, so the next one. Hmm, this is not an easy one. The treasure of repentance. Hmm. You know, so many times we're like. I'm okay. I, I, I don't. I don't do anything bad. I don't, I don't say anything too bad. And I don't. I don't do this. I don't do that. Hmm. In prayer, um, Monday night prayer, a couple. Mm, let's see. That has to be maybe a month or so ago. We shared um, Dutch sheets vision that he had on 9-11, and it was about how the Holy Ghost was going to fall in the colleges. This is 10, 11, however many years that is. And, um, and so he, he shared about it, and his, his, he said, and, and it, there was nobody orchestrating it. It was Holy Ghost, and the, and, the, and the young people were falling on their knees, repenting. And he said, and, and it was worship, and it was, and it was, it was just the greatest thing. And it wasn't two two weeks later that that very thing that we read that night happened in the Asbury College and other colleges. And I read a lot of the the reports of of the children and and the young people and what they said in their testimonies. And every single one had to do in the the first with repentance. That when you know when the Holy Ghost comes. And, that, and your life flashes across in who you are and what you really are and your filthy rags and all, all you're driven to your knees. And I, and I think Pastor reiterated that just a couple weeks ago. That in the, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes, you're not saying, well, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. I got too many papers up here. Hmm. 
So what do we do then? What, what do we do? You know, we're, we're a church. We're a believers. We, we walk in the things of God. Um, you know, we would say, you know, we, we don't have any bad sin in here. We don't do all these things. But the truth of the matter is, we do have things. We do have these little pet things that we, we, you know, we have them in our heart. We keep them in a nice little box, and sometimes we take them out and we pet them, put them back in there and leave them, but we never get rid of them. They're these little things, and I'm always, I'm, I'm always reminded of the scripture that says it's the little foxes that steal the vine. You know, and, and so it's the small things that keeps us out of that place of true repentance and truly being clean. Well, now, before I said that the Holy Spirit follows after someone who is clean, and we want the Holy Spirit, so then that would make sense that we need to be thinking about, are we clean? Are, on a daily basis, is, check your heart. Is there something that's been said? Is there something you've seen? Is there something, whatever it might be, clean it up. Because the whole theme through this whole outpouring that I see is that that is the first step to what God's going to do. Without that, he can't do a whole lot more. And that's why those young people are just down there, just, I'm sorry, Lord. And I'm not talking about just, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm talking about really sorrowfully sorry for what you've done, for the things that you've done. And I, I don't know if I should say this or not, but I'm going to anyhow. Week, uh, two weeks ago, Pastor preached a sermon that said, with titled, um, Does God Care How We Live or something to that effect? Or does it matter how we live? Thank you. And, of course, we all go, yes, yes. And so he preached his heart out about the things, little, the little things. He mentioned those, the little things. Preached his heart out, and in the end, he's walking back and forth. He says, I don't exactly know how to end this. You remember? Okay. So I'm sitting back there, and I'm going, I know how he should end it. You know, people should, he shouldn't have to do anything. After what he preached, people should be running to the altar. But where was I sitting? Right there in my seat. And no wonder he didn't, he felt unsettled in the ending because it was meant to bring us to a place of repentance of all those little things to get us so we can go into the next stage. And I, I pondered that after I went home and I, I'm sorry, Lord, I should have just got up and gone. I have those things as like as well as everybody else. Those little things, you know, and but they're big to God. And so, repentance needs, in a major way, to be dusted. That treasure. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. It's not something bad. Um, someone made the comment, well, you know, I think I'm okay. And then, well, what would they think? What would, what would they think if I went to the altar? They'd think I was this, I was that. You know, it don't matter. It's not about what they think. It's about being right with God. 
And I'm like, so I'm repenting again because I missed it. And so I'm just, I, I'm, I'm pointing that, that is, a, that is a huge, huge thing. Hmm. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Hmm. Create in us a clean heart, O oh Lord, and a right spirit. Help us to check. Help us to do a checkup every single day, maybe more than once a day. Is there something I need to tweak? Is there something I need to change? Is there something that's stopping the glory of God in my life? I want to know. I want to know. I want to know. That has to be our heart cry because it's really the first step to the rest of what we do here. Maybe if I put one of these that I was finished with over here. Okay. This was something I wrote down the other day. I don't know whether I heard someone say it or other, but it impacted me. And that's going to be the end of my repentance here, or dusting it off, so to speak. There has to be brokenness, which is strong emotional sorrow, contrition, which is being remorseful, and repentance, which is to sincerely regret something. For a move of God to come. Prayer fuels a place of repentance and puts us in a position for revival. So now that you know what we need to do to get to that place, then it becomes our job to do it. It's our job to do it. It's our job to get our hearts right. It's our job to stay in that place. Holy Spirit will help you, but he will not do it for you. If you've noticed, he doesn't do a lot for you. He's your helper. He's your helper. So my sixth treasure is the reverence of God. Hmm. What does that mean? Reverence is honor, profound respect and love, admiration, esteem, and regard. I'm going to read another story here. And this might hit home, might not. When you go to a church service, don't get on the phone or involved in conversations. Begin working your faith so God can open up that service for you to enter into with your whole heart. If you do this, you will get everything you came for and more. 
That's because you have come seeking the Lord. You have come to hear from him. You want to know him. The church isn't just a building to you. It's part of the sanctuary and building of God. And it is the access point to the glory. Wow. There again. Who does that fall on? Falls on us. You know, um, it's, it's not, um, I like to talk and laugh with the best of them. But when, when you come on Sunday morning and, and you're pray, if you've prayed before and you've prayed on the way and you've come in here, if you, if you start talking with something about the things of the world, it, it, it gets you off track. And then you have, to get, you have to be pulled all the way in. And it's not the job, total job of the, of the worship team to try to get you into that place. If we were all there to start with, think what would happen. Think what would happen. So I'm asking you, as, as, as even a prayer up here before the service, that you consider that on Sunday morning when you come in. I'd love for you to come in and pray. I'd love for you. But, but it's not a let's, what do we do all week? What are we doing in the afternoon? What are we doing for lunch? There's time for that later. But when we're here, we have come to worship God. And we have come to get into his presence. And we have come to give him glory and honor. And we have come to see him fill this house. And we have come to see signs and miracles. But they're only going to happen if we have a protocol that is in place that says, I, I'm, I'm going to come in here in a right spirit. And so I, I, I just encourage you to think about it. Um, because it's really a big thing to God. And I was reading in one of these stories, and it might surprise you that God is not always happy not with the way you pray or with the way you come in. You know, think about it. When my kids come over for dinner, if, and I require that they knock on my door. I live alone, and that's not their house anymore. I'm their mother but it's not their house. So you knock on the door, and, you know, I've made a game with the kid, younger kids, and, you know, who's that knocking at my door? You know, all that kind of stuff. But they don't come in. They just they knock on the door, and then I go. But if they were to burst in the door and go, I'm ready to eat. It better be ready. I'm like, oh, my. You might want to go out and try that again. But if they come in and they say, Mom, and they take the shoes off so they won't get my new carpet dirty, and they, Mom, Grandma, how have you been? You know, hugs, and, and, and we miss you, and boy, it smells good in here. When are we going? That's a whole different story. I'll give them anything then. And God's the same way. He's the same way. Hmm. There's a a protocol. You, and it's the same way with prayer. You can't just like come running in there and go, oh, glory, glory, hallelujah, Lord. And this is what, and this is how I want you to do it. And I want this and I want you to, that don't work. He don't, he don't like that. 
And then you say, well, do we have to go through singing? And do we have to go through, you know, getting ourselves clean and, and, you know, making sure everything's good? Well, if you want your prayers answered, you do. So it comes down to always us. I'm not pointing a finger at any one of you because right back, I, I sat there the other Sunday and didn't do a blame thing either. But my eyes have been opened, and I hope yours have too, that there is a way that he responds quickly. You know, we don't have to work it up. We don't have to do any of that. But when we come in properly, then he is happy to just be in our presence and to come in his fullness with all those things that that brings. The answer to everything you need. Holy Spirit is a person that longs for our fellowship. You know, he's the third person of the Godhead. He's not lesser in any way, and he's a person. His feelings can be hurt. He, he feels things very greatly, and we must be aware of how we approach. I, I just can't say that enough. We have to be aware of our approach. He can be wounded by our attitudes and our abruptness. I like, I, I also, one of the books I was reading was Good Morning, Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. And the fellowship and relationship he had with the Holy Spirit, I was so jealous when I read it. Oh, my but then he put in everything to that relationship. He put in everything to it. And he got out all the more. So as much as you put in, you get out. In the times that we live right now, the things I've talked about tonight, the things we need to dust off and kind of bring back to the forefront are imperative for the times we live. Um, we have to be able to hear from the Holy Ghost. It, it, may, it may, I'm not saying it will, but it may determine life or death somewhere down the road. So we have to be able to hear, and we have to know that it's him and not a counterfeit. And the only way we're going to know the difference is if we spend the time that was required. And we put down some of this stuff that doesn't mean a thing that we, we just occupy ourselves with. And so if there's anything you get out of tonight of what I've shared, I've shared my heart. And I am in the same journey you are. I've not arrived I've got a ways to go. But I do believe that these things that I spoke about, if we can get those right, it's a precursor to what God is wanting to do. He's taken these old principles and these old things and the things that mean are so important. Once we can get those right, he can trust us in the new.
because he said the news coming and we're walking into it and there and there are instances of that already but i believe that he's wanting us to hone on hone up these areas dust them off start walking in them and then we'll be ready for the new amen i want to share one other thing and um this is primarily for seniors. However, I'm not going to card anybody at the door. So if you want to come, you can join us. But um, not last Sunday, Sunday before during praise and worship, this was what the Holy Ghost told me. I want you to mobilize the seniors to pray for the young generation that I'm pouring my spirit upon. I want you to break bread together first and then pray. And, you know, when he said it, it wasn't in this kind of tone of like, well, this might be a good idea if you wanted to do it. No, he said, I want you to do this. And I'm like, yes, sir. And so um, we're going to put together a prayer. I'm called it a prayer initiative. Uh, Because when he said mobilize, that's not just any old word. It means um, it's a call to action. He didn't just call me, he called, he called the seniors and anyone else that wants to come. Because you see what he's doing in the young generation. He's outpouring. And, and what I mentioned earlier about we must sustain it with prayer. So that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be holding it up in prayer. And when you think about it, what an honor that he would even ask us to do such a thing. And so that's going to be on on Friday. It'll start March 31st. It'll be every other Friday here in the youth room because he told me specifically to do. We'll bring a lunch um, and and break bread together first and then pray for the young ones. Now, that doesn't just mean the college kids. It means, you know, your grandchildren, your children, your great-grandchildren, you know, Jeannie's group here and, and the youth. We're going to cover them all. This isn't me. This is, I didn't really want another thing to do, but you didn't ask. And so I'm encouraging you to be a part of that. He is expecting you to be a part of it. It's all I can say. It's not something, you know. And so I'm, I'm excited, but I'm excited about the possibilities of what's going to happen. You know, and, it, and because when, you, when a group comes together in unity, much power is available. And so it's going to be good. I hope anyone who wants to come on Fridays can. And like I said, doesn't, you don't have to be 55. We love you all and come on. But um, I, I just wanted to kind of give this tonight, kind of set it this in action, be praying about it, thinking about it, and um, we'll see what God wants to do. Um, because I feel honored that he would even ask. Honored that he would even ask because he pointedly asked for the seniors in this place. So, that's all I have for tonight. I know it was a lot of things, and I'm like, Lord, you sure? He goes, yes, you know how that goes. And um, But I just want to pray now, and I want to seal what we've heard tonight by the blood of Jesus I want to seal the things that he shared. Uh, I've done the best that I could do to share my heart of what he shared me in this journey that he's taken me on. 
because I know it wasn't just for me. It was for each one of you as well. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you. Oh, I thank you. I thank you. Uh, when I look inside and I see the great things you have planned in this place. And we are a grateful people tonight that you would even ask us to be part of what you're doing. That we would be your mouthpiece. We would speak out the things of God. And we would see them come to pass. So, Holy One, I'm asking, by the blood of Jesus, in the name of your precious name, Jesus, that the words that I spoke tonight will not be looked on as what Barbara had to say, but what Holy Spirit had to say to his church as he calls us into action. It's an honor, Holy One, and we do not take it lightly. So for it all, we give you the glory and the honor tonight. We thank you. We thank you. You are a good, good father. You've taken such good care of us for so long, but you want the future to be better. And you've given us the tools tonight to make it better. That that desire and that passion that I feel would be imparted to this people. That they would seek after those treasures that are already theirs. They would take them back out. They would dust them off. And they would walk in them to their fullest. In Jesus' mighty name. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.